So it turned from a job to a career. And I think that is the key difference. You can't look at it as a job. Like, it, this has to be your passion. If you don't have the passion for it, you're not going to last long. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievement, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Shemeca Williams. I teach high school English, primarily sophomores and juniors in the state of Maryland. And Black educators matter because I think we provide a varied experience for our students because I think as Black educators, we've been able to navigate both sides of the coin, especially for us who grew up in primarily Black communities, but when we go off to further our education, a lot of times we are in communities where we are the minority. So we learn different skill sets, we learn different values, we learn how to immerse ourselves in different cultures. And I think for us going into the classroom, we are able to provide those different experiences and be able to give our students those life experiences that we learn to help them navigate once they take the, the next steps as they graduate from high school. Come on, navigating both sides of the coin, because it's so true. Where are you from? You said that you currently teach in Maryland, but where are you from? I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. So born and raised in New York and then came to D.C. to go to school, and I've been in the D.C. area ever since. So you know once you said you're from Brooklyn that I can hear your accent, right? (laughs) (laughs) It it comes out here and there. Most people say, depending on the mood, so if I'm excited about something or if I'm angry, that's when they can really hear it come out. Oh, I got to get you excited and angry because I want to hear it. (laughs) Um, so thinking about your beginnings in Brooklyn, do you remember what it was like for you going to school, like your K through eight experience in Brooklyn? Yes. So I loved going to school and I hated when I had to miss school. So if I was sick, I still wanted to try to go to school, even though my parents would tell me, no, you can't go to school because you're going to get everybody else sick. But one of the, the great things that I do remember was that my teachers were very, very caring and they took care of us as if we were their own. And so they were very stern with us, but they were very loving. They took their time to to work with us. They always wanted to communicate with us and, and our parents. And they always made learning fun. And I think that's always a key thing because school is not for, for every child. Like every child doesn't get into it, but I know for me, my teachers always made it fun. They always tried to make sure that we could apply different things that we learned to our own experiences. And they always tried to bring in text concepts that we could directly relate to, which in the end helped us to learn more efficiently during that time. Did you grow up in a diverse neighborhood where a lot of your classmates black or did you have diverse classmates? 
not in K through eight. In K through eight, I went to school with students who were primarily black. And then you had students of other ethnicities kind of sprinkled in in between. It wasn't until I got to high school that I was in schools and classes with students of more diverse backgrounds. So tell us about your high school experience. And also, did you have black educators in elementary school? Yes. Actually, most of my educators throughout elementary, middle school, and high school were black educators. So I think that was a very critical thing for myself and my other peers of the same background. Shout out to Brooklyn. Yes. (laughs) But for high school, I actually went to high school in Manhattan. So I had to travel. So it took a little bit going from Brooklyn to Manhattan to go to school because I went to Martin Luther King High School, which was across the street from Lincoln Center and the Metropolitan Opera. So we had Martin Luther King and then you had LaGuardia, which was a performing arts school that was directly across the street. So being in Manhattan and being so close to the Upper West Side, Harlem and the Bronx, I went to school with a lot of students from West Indian backgrounds and then from Hispanic and Latino backgrounds as well. And then a lot of students of different other ethnic backgrounds. So white, some who were from like Greece, from Italy. So it wasn't until I got to, to high school that I was with more diverse students and I had more diverse teachers as well. Do you remember what that experience was like for you, especially like traveling to school and being around different people? Did you feel accepted? Did you feel good in that space? Oh, absolutely. It was, it turned out to be like one big happy family. And for us, I think if you go back to that time, and I'm, I'm going to tell my age a little bit, this is back in the 90s. So being in high school in the 90s, I think was very different because you were exposed to to so many different things and so many different cultures, especially being in New York City. It was just great to learn about other cultures. And we were all foodies. So we love that we get to try foods from from different cultures and from different countries. So we have lunch, you know, if we brought something from home, we could share and, and taste it. Or if any of our friends had parties or celebrations, all of their friends were invited. So we all got to, to spend time with their families within these different cultures. And so it never felt as if anyone or even for myself that I was isolated or I didn't or I didn't fit in. My closest friends in high school were from Jamaica, Trinidad, Puerto Rico, and Dominican Republic. So it was, you know, it was just a wonderful, a wonderful learning experience for, for all of us coming from neighborhoods where everyone looked like us. That is an incredible experience. I'm over here trying to imagine like, oh, wow, all these different cultures. And I can see how music and food are the great, like, bring Mm -hmm. people together. We will have a fantastic time if we talking about some music and exploring different music genres. And then the foods, like you said, the foodie. I'm excited for that high school memory. (laughs) So after leaving high school and having such a great experience, you know, learning from different classmates, their families, and also your teachers, what was your college experience like? Oh, my college experience was the complete opposite. 
So while I loved the diversity, I loved being around people of color. I felt like I needed a different experience. So I went to Georgetown for undergrad, Georgetown University in D.C. And so it was very different when you go from being the majority to being the extreme minority. And so kind of navigating through through differences, I think, really helped to make me a better person because I got to see the other side a little bit more. And it kind of forced me to, I guess, in a way, use my third eye to see how the world works because I felt that during the time from elementary and high school, my time in New York, I was a little sheltered from a lot of things that were going on in the world. Of course, we were aware of it. We talked about it in class. We watched the news. We read newspapers. But to see it live and really be amongst the difference, I think, was an eye-opener for me. And I struggled a little bit with it because I was very outspoken. And I said things as they came to mind. And sometimes it wasn't the most appropriate time and the most appropriate things to say. So I think for me, I learned how to speak how I felt, but, you know, to still get my point across, but not to come across as being rude or disrespectful or, or inconsiderate, which I noticed I didn't really pay attention to that when I was younger, but as I started going through the college stage, I was more aware of that. So Georgetown was fantastic. I loved my experience at Georgetown. I wouldn't change it for the world. I've met some of my best and closest friends at Georgetown, but the culture shock was, was definitely a, a big thing for a city kid who grew up in majority minority neighborhoods going to majority minority schools. How did your experience at Georgetown lead you to begin a career in education? (laughs) Well, that's always a great story because when I went to Georgetown, education was not in my window at all. I had done tutoring. I had done other things within the educational aspect, but I went to Georgetown with the intentions of going into corporate or sports law. And after my first semester, I said, this is not it. I didn't, what I thought it would be, it was not. And my second semester in the spring, one of my professors, who I love dearly, and she's one of my greatest mentors ever, she said, well, we have this program, and we think you would be great for it. You would work with us with middle school students on Saturdays. And you would tutor and you would work with the students. And I could see that you get along really well with that age group of students. So we think you will be great for the program. So I started out there with her as a tutor and ended up going from a tutor to actually being a teacher with the program. And it was during the time that I was working with this program that my love for teaching began to blossom. And I had decided to make that change that I wanted to go from going into law to to going into education because it was during that time that I felt that 
that is where I could make the biggest difference. And so it kind of just shifted. It shifted my whole mindset to what I wanted to do for a career. So how long have you been teaching high school English? So let's see. So this is overall my 17th year of teaching. I have been teaching high school English since 2008. So how many different teacher positions have you had? We get high school English. We get a little bit of tutoring. So my first actual teaching position after I graduated from college, so I started teaching right out of college, I taught kindergarten. What? Kindergarten? Yes. I taught kindergarten. And I taught kindergarten for a year. And I said, this is not for me. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. While I love the students, I think the emotional piece of it, I think, was very overwhelming. And the fact of teaching all the subjects. I'm not a science person. I'm not a math person. So having to teach all the different subjects on top of the just the emotional give that you have to get to, you know, to four and five year olds was just a lot. So I went from kindergarten to third grade. Another critical year because kindergarten yes. is so clutch. And I think people think that teaching kindergarten is all naps and songs. No, it's not. <laughs> no, we were writing. And at the time that I was teaching kindergarten, they didn't have naps. <laughs> so they went they went through the whole day with learning from the subjects to recess to lunch to specials. So that wasn't the case. And then went to third grade. I enjoyed third grade because they were older, but again, it just, it just didn't click for me. And it wasn't until I went to middle school afterwards. I went to middle school in 2005. And once I started teaching middle school, that's where I saw, I said, okay, this is, this is for me teaching one subject. I taught seventh and eighth grade English. Absolutely loved it. The fact that I could focus on one content, put all my effort and my energy into it. The students were older. I could be a little bit more stern with them, but I could also talk to them a lot differently and share things with them and get their opinions about they're learning and how best they learn than I could from a, a kindergartner or, or a third grader. And so from there, I just kept, I just kept moving up. And then when I got to high school, I said, this is my place. This is where I belong. And I've been, I've been with high school there ever since. This is just one of many stories and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter. Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org. Help build the movement by joining our Patreon. Now, let's get back to our Project 500 podcast. What is the most impactful moment you've had as an educator thus far? I would say there was one year teaching. It was my first year that I was teaching ELL students. 
and those are our English language learners. And so those are students whose first language is not English. And so for me, that was a new experience because it was the first time I struggled a lot in the beginning with just figuring out how to plan lessons and how to structure it for students to help them understand it while also making sure that they're learning the English language at the same time. So I had a couple of students in the class who really struggled in the beginning. They hated English class because they couldn't understand the readings. They couldn't understand the assignments. But what I started doing as I was taught was taking texts that they could relate to that showed their personal experiences and then just trying to break it down and, and make it a little bit more user friendly for them. And then by the end of the year, they were they were excelling and they told me at the end of the year how much they appreciated it and how much they loved me for being able to take the time to work with them. And they had sent an email to the department chair of the foreign language department. And so she sent me an email as a really long email just saying how the students had came to her and told her how much they loved English class, especially Shakespeare. No student loves Shakespeare. But they told her that their favorite thing that we did was when we reviewed Tame Another Shrew by Shakespeare and just how I broke it down and incorporated more current and personal things. And so getting that email from her and getting those responses from from the students, it was so impactful. And even now I still hear from them. And one student, he was in school, he went to community college, then he went across to California to go to another school. I saw him, it was the end of last school year. And he said, Miss Williams, I just wanted to let you know, thank you. I got a full ride to a school in California. So my education is paid for. And the reason why I was able to do so was because of the essay that I wrote to get into the program. And he said, I wanted to thank you because if you didn't take the time to help me to build up my English skills, I wouldn't have been able to write that essay to get accepted into this program. So. Because <laughs> I, I was going to ask and I, <clears throat> I'm going to save my question later, but when you brought up that they loved Shakespeare, I'm going to save my question for after this question. I'm going to come back to the, the Shakespeare question. So after reflecting on your 17 years of experience from kindergarten to third grade to middle school to even supporting foreign language learners, what is the state of education in Black America and how did we get here? Mm. So... The state of education in Black America, honestly, we are struggling as a whole. We have a lot of bright spots where we see where our students are excelling and they are becoming successful adults in our society, but we still have so many communities that are so far below to have students who are in the 10th grade and are on a third and fourth grade reading level who lack in the comprehension skills. I, I think that is very critical 
in our community right now. And we, we need to figure out where do we start? What is it that we need to do to help to develop those skills? And a lot of that has to do with the socioeconomic. And everyone seems to think that the two don't go hand in hand, but we've seen so many studies. We've seen it firsthand that if our students are not in the best socioeconomic environment, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle academically. For a student who doesn't have electricity, how can they do work? If a student is in an area that is food insecure, they can't focus. So all of those things come together and work hand in hand. And until we are able to solve those issues and provide some stability in those manners, I feel like we're we're going to continue to have that gap in the imbalance and struggle within the the education aspirations in Black America. Are schools designed for children of color? I would say not completely. I think you have some areas where you have teachers that are, or educators that are dedicated and they work really hard to provide those necessary needs for students. And so they are able to, to blossom, but overall, no. We talk about this whole thing now, we see it in school systems across the country with this aspect of equity and trying to make the school system more equitable for everyone, including our, our black and brown students. But it's not really, it's not really being, it's not really being done. The resources are not available. The curriculum is not necessarily geared to where it incorporates the experiences of of black students and incorporates how some black students think. And so I think not having that flexibility in those resources does not make the school system adequately designed for, for black students. You mentioned earlier that when those students wrote that email to the department chair talking about how impactful you were and how much they loved your class, that they mentioned that they loved and enjoyed Shakespeare because you made it more relevant for them. What are some of your favorite texts to share with students over the years? Hmm. Let's see. Some of my favorite texts are, as mentioned, Tame and the Shrew uh, by Shakespeare. I love Tame and the Shrew and Julius Caesar. I love Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I love The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, Native Son and Black Boy by Richard Wright, The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. Let's see. Some other favorites are The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosini, of which my juniors, when I teach it to my juniors, they absolutely love it. Just some of my favorites right there. Then, of course, different poems from Maya Angelou, Langston Hughes, and a couple of other other poets that the, the students seem to enjoy as well. Why are those texts and poems important to be introduced as part of the curriculum for students? I usually choose those particular texts and poems 
because they relate a personal experience with the struggle to find one's identity and place in the world. And usually the students that I have as adolescents, they're going through that struggle as well. And especially because they are ethnic minorities, um, they are trying to navigate through it as well. And I think those stories help them to understand and see that not only is this something that is going on currently, but this is an experience that has gone on over over the span of time. And looking at the experiences that they go through, they're able to to understand and reflect and see in themselves that, you know, all hope is not lost. For example, with Black Boy, with looking at the struggle of young characters, some of my Black boys can understand, you know, what he's going through with having to navigate the streets and gangs and, you know, having to defend yourself. With the House on Mango Street, we can see it with some of my other students who deal with, you know, family values and struggles. And so each of those texts and then the poems as well, they can see and reflect on a piece of, of themselves and their own family's experiences of what they've they've gone through coming to and and living in America. So I think it it leads for great dialogue for them. And so because they can understand it better from a personal perspective, it makes it more interesting for them to want to read it. And then when it comes to skills and showing mastery using those particular texts, they're able to do it on a higher level because they have that deeper understanding of the text. Yeah. And they're able to take everything that they learn from you and flip it into an amazing essay that will result in them being able to go to school in California and get that entire experience paid for. Absolutely. How have you grown since you began your career? 17 years. Clap, clap, clap for 17. <laughs> How have you grown, Miss Williams? Whew. I, I've grown a lot. When I first started, I, I didn't know what to expect. I've leaned on more so of, okay, if I just follow this curriculum to the T and just go through steps one, two, three, four, five, I will, I will be good and okay. So for me in the beginning, it was more so about getting through the curriculum. But as I started getting more into my career and as the year started going on, I realized it was more than just getting through the curriculum. Sometimes the students just need to know that you're there and you care. So it turned from a job to a career. And I think that is the key difference with working in education you can't look at it as a job like it this has to be your passion if you don't have the passion for it you're not going to last long and when it became my passion despite all the frustrations and the changes and everything that we went through it, it became a passion and my focus was more so on making sure that my students were were healthy responsive individuals and it was okay if they didn't get perfect scores on everything it's okay if they didn't grasp all the concepts but if they were able to take a text and explain it and provide support 
I'm good with that, right? Because that's what it that's what it's all about. You can present any argument you want as long as you can show textual evidence and you have support to back up what you say. Who am I to say that what you're saying is incorrect? And so it it just opened my mind to being more flexible, to be open to all different types of of interpretation. Because as a teacher, when you're set on your ways, you know it's usually your way and that's it and you're not really budging from any other thinking or any other thought from a text but i've learned to embrace and accept all different ideas because we all think things differently our perspectives are all are all differently and once i was able to do that more comfortably it made me enjoy teaching text even more and i love that i can get different perspectives from the text now from from my students so for me over the course of of these 17 years i've definitely learned to become more open-minded to become more focused on building up my students in all aspects and not just making sure that they are they are academically ready for the world I think education and and having these conversations with Black educators really reinforces the idea that education is so much more than test scores. Mm -hmm. And the experience that we have and this exchange of energy that will lead to us becoming, and I think I should have wrote it down, you said like healthy and whole for the students. Um, Like that's the goal. It's more than just a test score or a good grade on a piece of paper. It's making sure that they are healthy and whole as they go out into the world. Are there any Black educators that went out of their way to aid in your success? Any Black educators that you would like to thank? Yes. So I would like to thank two of my high school teachers, both math teachers, ironically, (laughs) because I did not like math. But they were two very influential teachers, and that is Ms. Dickens and Ms. Marquez. Ms. Marquez, who was my college advisor as well. And so both of them, they were very influential in just always pushing me to do better, even when I wanted to give up and even when I thought I wasn't good enough, you know, to apply to these scholarships or apply to these schools they were both very influential in letting me know just how talented I was. And even throughout college, they supported me and, and made sure um, that I was okay and that, that I knew that they were always there for support. And so when I told them I was going into education, they were, they were absolutely thrilled about it. I would also like to thank one of my college professors, Dr. Angela Mitchell, who helped me to understand the diverse nature of English literature, right? And how one perspective is not the only perspective. Uh, And she was very tough on me with my writing and telling me, okay, and what? You know, what more? There's more to this. Like, tell me more about it. Don't just stay on the surface. You have to go, you have to go deeper. And for her being that guidance and constantly telling me you have to go deeper, I'm able now to give that same back to my students. It's like, okay, well, that's good. Well, what else now? Tell me, you know, go deeper. And so those three educators for me were very influential 
in my life in terms of my perseverance and building my self-confidence and then also being models for me on how to be the best educators that you can possibly be. So I took a lot, a lot from them and it, it was very, very helpful in building my career over the time. Well, thank you so much for walking us through your experiences with that BK accent. I was trying so hard to like, like, what can I say to get her to say something in a Bronx accent? But I heard it. I heard it. It was, it was so nice getting to know you and learning more about your story and also just the impact that you've had over these 17 years and across the span from kindergarten into high school and beyond. So thank you so much for sharing your story and everything that you've done. It was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity and being able to to share my experience. So hopefully those who are listening, who are contemplating uh, becoming educators, that this will be a little light for them to to make that that leap despite, you know, the the negativity that we see now in in media and everything. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Educators Matter. Are you ready to share your story? Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org to sign up. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a Black teacher today.